Folks, welcome to Vintage Baseball Reflections. I am Tom, the baseball nostalgia guy, bringing you these treasured pieces. Do you miss the good old days of listening to baseball through radios? It was a classic pastime that stood for decades and shaped how we cherish baseball in our heroes. These stories are from a moment in time that were heard by fans just like you. They are uncut, unfiltered, simply here for you to enjoy. So I just want you to enjoy this reflection on baseball history. From Day to DeRocher to Reese, it's double play with DeRocher and Day. With their guest Pee Wee Reese, here's another chapter of double play with DeRocher and Day. Welcome to another visit with baseball's most exciting and controversial couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher, with our guest for today, Pee Wee Reese. Let's listen. Well, the funny you throw the ball in the <laughs> Well, 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 if it isn't like old times on the Brooklyn Dodgers, with our guest, the famous shortstop of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Pee Wee Reese. And I'm sure all of you fans like Pee Wee just as much as we do, although uh, Leo and I happen to be on the opposite side of the fence right now. <laughs> Tell me, what were you fellas laughing at? Well, I was telling a few umpire stories. Well, let me in on them. I like umpire stories. Yes, from umpire stories to hidden ball tricks, we're going to run the gamut on double play today. But now, time off. Let's hold everything for an important message. And now back to Leo, Lorraine, and their guest for today, Pee Wee Reese, the famous shortstop of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and Chris DeRocher. Leo and Lorraine's little four-year-old, who's been awaiting this visit anxiously because he, too, has a very important problem. You want to hear what we were talking about, really? Yeah. Pee-wee, we may have to change a few of the words, but, well, I, I think so. Well, you don't have to I change mean. them for me to say, uh, say blinkety-blank. All right. Well, we make a few different words uh, when we talk to those umpires out there, Lorraine. Yes, sir. Oh, well, you know, I never <laughs> have any trouble with umpires, Pee-wee. I just go up there and... Son, don't be looking around here. It says that guy out there is fooling you, not me. <laughs> here on out, buddy. I never turn around look at those umpires anymore. <laughs> well, oh, there's a lot you, of those. You tell that story. Can I ask Pee Wee if this 
truth. You had played the Yankees in spring training, and they had beaten you, I guess, about four straight. And you Never were in happened. The... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, three straight. Well, anyway, uh, the way this story goes, you were in this little southern town playing an exhibition game. Well, and the fans were giving you a terrific sighting, saying, Yay, hey, what about what the Yankees do to you? What the Yankees do to you? And it's, it's that Larry gets said to Jake, Jake said, Larry says, why don't you turn around and yell, what did the Yankees do to you? And then we'll all run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did that really happen? It certainly did, and they weren't hollering, what did the Yankees do to us? What were they, they hollering? hollering, what did the Giants do to you? <laughs> oh, well, we were lucky, Pee Wee. You but certainly I were. <laughs> oh, we were lucky. I mean, well, uh, we had talent. Come yeah. on. Well, one swish of the bat, Pee Wee, and it was all over. Well, you we know had that. to make it close. We played a little too close. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, you know, some of my players told me, they said, we had them, you know that old expression, Pee Wee? We had them all, uh, we all, had them all the way. I said, I wish you'd let me know because it got awful tight. We couldn't have gone much further. But uh, uh, there's a Clem story, and this happened to me when I was playing. I was with the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, Bill Clem was umpiring behind the plate. And there was a saying that uh, you ever hollered at Bill Clem and said, Hey, catfish, and he heard you, and you were a player. Right now, you were out of the game. It was just something that you couldn't call Mr. Clem. This day, there was some fan uh, off behind home plate, and he kept hollering at Clem, Hey, catfish. Catfish and Clem couldn't spot him. So I was at the plate, going to take my turn at bat, and Clem brushed off the plate and he said to me, Will you point that fellow out to me? See if you can spot that gentleman that is calling me that name. And as he stood up, brushed the plate off, I stood there and I looked and I said, He's right, and I no sooner started to point, he said, Don't point you blankety blank blank. <laughs> and I said, What are you getting on me for? He said, Don't you numb skull. So naturally, I stood at the plate, and as usual, one, two, three, and he says, you're out. And I walked back to the bench, and as uh, I got back to the bench, I looked up, and he was walking over and had the police put that man out of the park. That's twice I know that since I've been in baseball, that uh, when Clem was an umpire, that he had fans put you just out. Couldn't, you just couldn't call him. Oh, no. You were telling me a story once about Clem and McGraw. What was it? Wasn't it McGraw? Yeah, that's what it was. Uh... I think McGraw was hitting, because that had been... Uh, I heard this story. Of course, I wasn't there at the time. <laughs> but anyhow, McGraw uh, had... The Clem had called two strikes on McGraw. And uh, the third one, he called it a ball. So uh, McGraw said, Clem says, that was the same place the other two were. And he said, well, in that case, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we better get to these questions, and we'll never get them answered, although I could go on forever listening to these wonderful umpire stories. This is from Bangor, Maine. Oh, mother. No, dear. Come back a little later. Not now, Chris. What does he want to do? Just a minute, dear. This one says, Dear Lorraine, here's something I've always wondered. How does an infielder get possession of the ball without the base runner knowing it on the hidden ball play? Bob Forsythe. Okay, you're a, an infielder. But I'm not too much of a trick artist with, with the ball, but I have done it. I've worked it one time since I've been in the, in the major leagues. And I, I suppose it's against the Giants. No, it wasn't. I wish it were. <laughs> oh, fine thing. The way I did it, I took the ball in and just act like I put the ball in the pitcher's glove. Well, I didn't. I just didn't talk to him for a while, and I slipped it in the back of my glove, in, in between my palm and my glove, and I walked back to my position and walked over to talk to the guy on second base until he started to talk to me. All of a sudden, I had the ball, and I said, buddy, you're out. And the umpire called. Sometimes the umpire, you have to call the umpire's attention to it because they even fool Yes, the, umpire. the umpires don't, uh, don't know you have the ball, and if they don't see it, naturally, they're not going to call him out. Uh, I just don't remember, Pee Wee, who, who did it to us. I know Connie who did Ryan. it. Connie Ryan did it, but who was the player? Who Lockman. did it call? Lockman. Was it Lockman? Yeah. yeah, and I know I was coaching, too, and, they, and uh, they really gave it to me, and I didn't know Ryan had the ball. A coach should watch it because 
If the pitcher gets anywhere near the rubber, yes. that's a balk. He can't get up on that mound. He can't get in anywhere in the vicinity of the rubber. A lot of times around the mound, the pitcher will go and get the... The, the rosin bag. The rosin bag. It's shaped a little bit like a ball, you know. He can put the rosin bag in his glove, and you can fool a runner sometime like that. But it's usually probably was the coach's fault. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the coach's ball. I mean, he should have found the ball. Yeah, sure. I can remember a game where the fans told you, and you were coaching at third, and they kept yelling, the ball, the ball, the ball. I don't know which club it was. Well, I've had, had it happen. There. I've had it happen and where the fans have hollered. You've called time and sure. to see where the ball was. There's a lot of times you don't know where the ball is. You'll be thinking of something else. Your mind's a million miles away. You're thinking of the... Well, I got to get this run. I'm going to bother. I'm going to hit and run. The first thing you're going to look up and your man's out. That's and right. I would say it's quite embarrassing if you are the manager and you are coaching. And the player. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say it's embarrassing all the way around. Yes, it is. Well, let's go on to our second question from Topeka, Kansas. Joe Rizdis, I think. Would you ask some players if the athlete must maintain a strict conditioning schedule the year round or is it just during the playing season? When I first came up with, with the Dodgers, Leo knows that I weighed about 150 pounds, and I thought I would never get over 160. But now then, I weigh about 175, 180 strips, and I have to watch my weight, so I do. I ride a bicycle a lot in the wintertime, and I work out with a basketball team, and I live right across from the park, and I go over there, and I have a bird dog, and I work out with that quite a bit. So I do think that you have to watch your diet, you have to watch what you eat in the wintertime, and you have to keep your legs in shape because if you build your legs up in the summertime and you just completely let them go in the wintertime, then you have to fill them back up again. I think it takes something out of them. You do play a lot of golf, too, don't you? Oh, Pee -wee yes, in the by the way. Yeah, he plays a lot of golf and a real good golfer, by the way. What are you, a two, Pee Wee, or a three? No, no, I'm about a five. Oh, about a five. Well, that's one of those fives, a Louisville five. He, uh, he's a five. Yes, he's uh, really a two or a three. Yeah, that's his correct handicap. But in Louisville, of course, they give him five, and that makes it easy. Well, speaking of golf, how about letting our sponsor tee up right now? And now back to double play. Well, back to baseball. I have a couple of uh, letters here. I don't know if we're going to have time to answer both of them, so keep your answer short, huh, fellas? Go ahead. All right, the first one says, Dear Double Play, why is it that a manager, in order to be successful, apparently has to be unpopular with his players? Of course, there are exceptions, but I'm thinking of McGraw, Southworth, Vitt, McCarthy, and men like that. I don't think any manager can satisfy 25 ball players. Well, you can't satisfy... Uh, I mean, it's awfully hard for one person working in an office of 10 to satisfy That's everyone. Right. I mean, the guy who thinks that he should be pitching, and the, why am I pitching? Why He must not like me, and uh, I'm a better player than this guy playing. I think it, it happened on every club. Leo, it sure, what do you think it certainly that? does, Pee-wee. There's no way that a manager can satisfy everyone, and you have to change your mode of living, your, your tactics and everything else the minute you become a manager. You have to stop being real buddy-buddy with your players. You can be close to them and be very popular with them, I believe, but you just can't be as close to them as you were when you did play with them. You do the best you can, and you have to rub certain ones and kick certain ones to get the full amount out of everybody. What about this? I'm only 5 feet 6 inches and weigh 145 pounds, but want to play professional baseball. Please let me know if I have a chance or is my size against me. When Pee Wee first joined the uh, Brooklyn Ball Club, uh, the first year that I was over there, uh, he looked like he belonged in one of the high schools. He looked like a little bitty boy. Probably and, played like it. <laughs> no, uh, and uh, all I know is this, that I took one look at him and I said, that's all. I hit him a few ground balls and I knew that my glove was about to be hung up and left there. And uh, I don't think you have to be uh, uh, a big fella or anything else. I don't think size en enters into it. And 
I know, Pete, we can name some players for you that'll prove that. Well, I don't like to mention another league, but uh, we can name a player with the Yankees. It's not exactly oh, a big strapping fella, but he does a fair job over there. Short stuff, I would say. But you usually try and have a very tall fellow playing first, don't you? Well, not necessarily. It's, very it's, many it's, it's better if you can. We had Camilli. He wasn't any taller. No. Of course, he's a lot broader, but he was about 5'10". What about a catcher? Should a, can a, a little guy catch? Well, be a big guy? I would say a big guy again because uh, a catcher takes a lot of punishment back there. I mean, and you want a nice big target too for the right. pitcher. I, I'd rather have big men behind the plate. Would you please show me how to play marbles? Pee Wee, ever since Chris heard that you were coming over, I promised him that you would show him how to play marbles. I'd love to, Chris. You sit right over here and I'll show you. You know, this is how Pee Wee got his name. He used to be the champion marble player. First, Chris, I want you to get this marble out so you can get it out. Can you get one up now? That's All right. Let's see how you hold it now. No, that's wrong. Well, I guess we're going to have to quit talking about baseball yeah. now. It looks like we have yeah, a marble lesson coming up. So yeah, see you next week, same time, same station. So long. You've been listening to another chapter of Double Play with baseball's most exciting couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher. Today, Lorraine and Leo had as their guest, Pee Wee Reese. Join us when again it's time for Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day, plus another big-time guest star. Double Play is produced by Marty Martin, directed by Ted Nealon, and is a Mar-Ted production. VintageBaseballReflections.com features a treasure chest of baseball audio. The wonderful thing is the audio isn't a guy like me or a few talking heads reflecting on players, seasons, or teams. It is the actual players from that era, announcers from that era, giving you an uncut, unfiltered, unrecent day stance on what it was like then. These are real-time clips from that era. Now, we encourage you to check out our entire back catalog of baseball audio. And if you like old-time games, and folks, and folks, you are not alone. Join the membership section to enjoy interacting with fans, scoring games with folks just like you, and listening to hundreds of radio broadcasts that were baseball classics. As a special offer to you, type in This Day in Baseball for a discount just for you. And if you enjoyed the show, hit the plus sign to subscribe, follow us on the socials, and above all, share us with your friends who love baseball history just like you.